The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Have you been searching for a community that gets it? Join me, your host, Monique, as we get real about the emotional, physical, mental, and spiritual effects infertility has on its victim. Let's connect and heal together. I am one in eight, too. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to Infertility and Me podcast. It's your host, Monique Farouk. If you're new here, welcome to the family. If you're a regular, thank you, friend, for tuning in week after week to each bonus episode, to every uh, Friday episode. I appreciate you guys so very much. And if you haven't already, make sure that you are subscribed so that you can get notifications when new episodes are available each week. And today's bonus episode 12 is featuring Regina Towson, the creator and founder of The Broken Brown Egg. If you are not familiar with The Broken Brown Egg, that's okay, because today you're going to find out all about it, the inspiration behind Regina creating The Broken Brown Egg, and ways in which you can connect with her. She has a wealth of knowledge in the fertility community. She's been around for quite some time, and her website is called thebrokenbrownegg.org. The Broken Brown Egg exists to empower, inform, and advocate for those questioning or experiencing the impact of infertility with an emphasis on the Black experience of it all. And on Regina's website, it also states that infertility is bigger than babies. It's time to talk about it. And I agree so very, very much. As you guys know, Regina will be right with us in just a few minutes. Thank you, friend, for tuning in. I was a part of an online community called Chocolate Brides, mm. um, founded by Keisha Monk, who was mm. a, a voiceover talent, radio personality extraordinaire. Um, she started Chocolate Brides because there was no representation of Black and Brown women on bridal magazines. And if you went to some of the websites that were for um, people who were getting married, Mm -hmm. the conversations in the message boards, the conversations on the blog, the the way that they talked about budget, the way that they talked about (laughs) cultural traditions, all of those things left out Black and Brown women. And so she started Chocolate Brides to address that and create a community for women of color to plan their weddings, talk about the things that were concerning them, get uh, advice from each other. It really just built this really great community when we really needed one. Um, And it just expanded even beyond weddings. Mm -hmm. And so we would stay there on that site because this was before Facebook. So we would stay on that message board beyond the marriage. And we, I mean, people stayed on there marriage number two. (laughs) <laughs> wow. And um we would you you could write journals, you could um you could just get to know each other. And you, we would have meetups with each other in the different cities and towns. We would have um we had a chocolate brides weekend in Raleigh, North Carolina. Like we we had a lot. It built a lot of family. Some of those women I'm still close to, and this is almost 20 years um uh, wow. later. Um, but when I was on that site, when people would stick around after the wedding, they would sometimes start a pregnancy journal or a house buying journal or whatever. And there were a couple of ladies who were talking about IVF. Mm. And I had never heard of Black women doing IVF. I didn't know that it was something that we did or needed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember feeling like, I'm really sorry that that's happening to them. I hope everything works out and I'm praying for them and out of my head, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then when my husband and I got married and we've been married for a little while and we decided that we wanted to, uh, start building or expanding our family, mm-hmm. we realized that we were having trouble and I had already been having 
ridiculous periods, like just, I think month long periods, mm. two month long, just ridiculous. And I didn't have health insurance at the time. So I was spending a lot of time in emergency rooms and mm. local clinics. And I knew that there was an issue, but no one was telling me what the issue was. They were just giving me birth control pills. They were just like, well, if you're trying to get pregnant, you know, come back, but you're still young. Mm. But for right now, all you, you know, if you just want to stop bleeding, here's birth control pills that'll regulate your period. And, you know, maybe if you lose some weight, that'll help also. And so I really didn't have any information. And as the time started to keep going and I went to one doctor and I told her that I uh, was trying to get pregnant and she gave me Clomid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um she didn't explain what clomid was she didn't say you know here's how <laughs> mm-hmm. here's what it's supposed to do or anything like that she just gave me a prescription and sent me on my way and when I came back to her for the follow-up there she asked well are you pregnant and I was like well no <laughs> and she gave me metformin and again she didn't explain it she didn't run any tests she didn't say, you know what, let's do an ultrasound. Let's see if there's any tubal issues. Let's see. None of that. She just gave me metformin and sent me on my way. She told me, be mindful that metformin upsets your stomach. Like that was the one piece of advice that she gave me with that. Um, and I remember just feeling like, okay, so what do I do? Right, and I right. got so angry. And the more research I started to do, I realized that this is not something that doesn't affect Black women. This is just something that Black women hadn't been talking about and hadn't been represented in. And so I just got so mad one day, I just went on Facebook and I just started talking about it. I started blogging about it Mm. um, on Blogspot way back in the day. That looks so Um, different compared to a website nowadays. Listen. (laughs) Wow. I went on Blogspot and I just started talking and then I said, well, let me keep talking because I had looked for blogs to mm-hmm. represent that you know, when you're in, when you're first in it, you're looking for, okay, what the heck is going on? Right. And so I started looking it up and every website I went to was by a white woman and that's fine. I was like, okay, give me all the information I can. But when you don't see yourself, you start to feel like, okay, well, wait, so infertility might be normal, but if there's no black women on here, maybe it's abnormal for me mm. as a black person to mm. deal with this. So what does this mean? Am I broken? Is something wrong with me? Did I do something wrong? Did somebody lie to me? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't find any websites that were created by black women. And the ones that I did find, they were, they hadn't been updated in like years either you and, and some of them you like you never knew what happened like you, you didn't know did they resolve to be child free did, did they move forward with IVF yeah you just didn't, so they were just gone um and so I went on Facebook and I just started saying things like to to generate conversation so I would say things like um you know that aunt who always babysat who always had all the girls over for sleepovers and mm-hmm. she who bought you stuff and she never had kids, maybe she couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to just start saying things like that, um, just to make people realize that these women have been in our lives, our entire lives, and we didn't notice. Um, we didn't notice, you know, cousin so-and-so who never comes to the baby showers. We just assume, well, she always sends the best gifts. We didn't think she can't come to these. They're difficult for her, so she sends mm-hmm. the best mm-hmm. gifts. We didn't think like that. Um, and so... I, I just kept talking and I started to get messages from people in my life who were just like, thank you. Thank you for saying that. Nobody understands what it is like. And I appreciate you for saying it out loud. I, I even had people who were like, you know, my husband doesn't want us to talk about this. So thank you for saying what you're saying because I can't. And I realized that this was something that was important because representation and having a voice was and, ha- and feel like you didn't have a voice was killing people emotionally. It was mm-hmm. killing people. And so I just kept pushing it. We um, did a gala in 2010 where I just invited fertility clinics, adoption agencies, 
just to raise money. And I, I donated some money to the Cave Foundation and to some other organizations because I just wanted somebody to shine a light on the fact that this was affecting us and that mm-hmm. we needed and deserved to be in the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I just kept pushing it. Sometimes I had insurance. Sometimes I didn't have insurance. And I just blogged about that. I just told the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was helpful for me because infertility was, it robs you of your voice. It, it robs you of who you think you are. But I know myself, I'm a writer. My, my undergraduate degree is in writing. Um, I'm a librarian professionally. So words to me connect people. And I was like, I, I need my voice back. And so I just started pushing as much information as I could while also being as transparent and honest about what was going on with me, including, you know, maybe I didn't do the diet that they told me to do. Maybe mm-hmm. I didn't. All your, all your, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I needed people to know, you know, if that's you, you're not alone. You're not crazy. Sometimes this stuff is hard and you just need to know that there's somebody out here in this void that can identify with you. Um, and so I've had the blog now for 11 years and it's grown into a resource for people where when they just kind of need somebody to kind of put words to the feelings, that's what I try to do and to connect people to organizations, agencies. If, if I don't have the answer, I try my best to to connect you to somebody who does. Um, if there is a reporter who's looking for a story or looking for people to interview, I try to make those empowerment opportunities. I post them in the Broken Brown Eggs support group because I want people to feel like they have their voice back. So I don't need to be the Black woman on all of the, the conversations or, or articles. I just want us represented. So I'm going to tell everybody, hey, they're looking for Black women for this study. Hey, they need a couple for this. Hey, they want somebody to talk about this. Because the more that we talk and are seen, the less people who are going to feel alone and invisible. Um, And we also, we found that my tubes were blocked. Nobody had done anything to to look into that for years. So, So much time had been wasted. My husband had uh, type 2 diabetes, mm-hmm. and then he also had some male factor issues that wow. came about because of a, a hernia when he was an infant. Mm-hmm. So there were so many things that had someone taken the time to really talk and teach us and, and help us become informed patients, we could have addressed earlier that it took us so many years. Um, and Just then so we, much time, yeah. And and that's what makes you mad is you feel like this was a waste of my time. Like the amount of hours that I set in clinics when they were only addressing the bleeding and they weren't looking for what is the root cause of the bleeding? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Why is this happening to her? Maybe this isn't just a weight thing. Maybe we should look into PCOS. Maybe we should look into fibroids or endometriosis, or maybe we should talk to her about those things. Everything that I know about any of those things I researched myself because it took years to get a doctor who actually took the time to explain what any of those things were to me. Yeah. Um, And I would start coming to appointments with the medical terms for things. I think one time I went to the hospital to the ER because I didn't have insurance and I had been bleeding and I wrote on the the intake. I was like, menorrhagia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the nurse was Mm -hmm. like, how do you know that term? And I was Mm -hmm. like, well, girl, because I've been researching what is this abnormal bleeding? And since yeah. y'all ain't gonna tell me, I had to look it up. Yeah. Um, and we we also tried adoption. We were gonna adopt from a relative. We had someone in our family who was not sure that she'd be able to parent. And so we stepped in that and she changed her mind mm-hmm. the day we were headed to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And that was a moment um, mm-hmm. that I wouldn't wish on anybody. And we we're prepared to kind of work on our healing with that. And then we got a call from the Department of Children and Family Services that said, you know, for so-and-so reasons, she can't take the baby home. Will you step in as a foster family? Mm. And we prayed on it. And we were just like, at the end of the day, our feelings aside, this is a child who needs a place to go. We're not going to not step in. And so we fostered her for six, six months, six and a half months. Um, and then we took a break mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then my job, um, I used my, my insurance 
for us to go to one of the fertility centers here in the Chicago area. And Mm -hmm. we got all this information and it just sounded hopeless. It was like, well, here's what's going on with you. Here's what's going on with you. This is going to cause this. This is a problem here. (laughs) It was just like, when she when they were going over our stuff, it was it was devastating almost. It was yeah. it wasn't that they were saying it's not ever gonna work, but it, it just sounded like so because of your PCOS, this is this number, which is ridiculous. And because of your male factor issues, this is what we're gonna need to do with that. Um, and as it started to add up, I just saw my husband kind of deflate because he was mm-hmm. just like, tried the adoption thing, that didn't work. Then I think it was also devastating for him because for all those years, we just knew Regina has an issue with this bleeding and with this PCOS and all of this. We didn't know that there was a male issue also. And so for him, it was like, dang, now, you know, I'm holding us up. I'm causing a problem. And combined with her, we may just never get there. And I think he was so overwhelmed and we were about to move forward. And then I got an email from my job and they said that they were changing insurance carriers. And when they changed insurance carriers, we lost access to our clinic. Mm. <laughs> just like, okay, God, you playing. <laughs> like at that point, mm. I was just like, okay, somebody is playing with me and I need, you know, whoever it is to cut it out because I'm going to go off. Yeah. Uh, because I'm that's seriously. Point, yeah. I'm, at that point, I was so angry, like, okay, and I, and, and sad, angry and sad, because I started yeah, yeah. to tell myself, well, maybe that's just not your journey, Regina, maybe this only happened to you so that you could start this organization so that you could help other women, maybe it's not your path, maybe if you had kids, you wouldn't be able to do what you're doing for your kids at work, or for the kids in your family, because in the middle of all of this, you know, I am the auntie and the cousin who is the kids come over here f- to sleep over and I take them to the zoo and the museum. And I've been doing that since I was like, since I was a teenager, I've loved taking kids and we go to the zoo, we go to the museum, we go to the library. We, I love doing that, mm-hmm. but it was starting to eat me up because it was like, okay, so this is, this is it God. This is what you, you so you saying, this is it. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> so I can't do what I want to do. <laughs> this is it. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I got so angry, but when I'm angry, the, what the broken brain has done for me is it has given me voice. So I was like, okay, what's the next advocacy thing I can do? Yeah. And so for National Fertility Awareness Week, I pulled together a Pathways to Parenthood event for the library that I work at. And I used my network from the broken brain egg to find a reproductive endocrinologist and an adoption attorney and um, someone from DCFS, and I just, and, and Reverend Stacy from Fertility for Color mm-hmm. Girls, I just mm-hmm. had them all come to the library to talk to people about how to build their family and what infertility is. And um, I met a reproductive endocrinologist that way, who was so sweet that when she came, because I did it two years in a row, okay. and when she came for the second year, um, when she came for the first year, I was at the clinic. When she came for the second year, this was after the insurance change. Okay. And so when she came, she was like, so what's going on with you? And I was like, girl, nothing. <laughs> and I just told her, I was like, well. Why do we do that though? Like, why can't we just say, girl, this is some bull crap right now. You don't even know. You, don't even know. you have no idea. You know what I mean? And I'm, I'm the one who will do that because it, 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 it costs me too much emotionally to try yeah. to act like it's all good all the time. So mm-hmm. I, like. I tried to adopt. That didn't work. We had a clinic. The insurance ain't there no more. So we could still go, but we'd have to pay out of pocket Yeah. because it is, Illinois is a mandated state. Okay. So it is insured. We are insured, but it depends on what your insurance covers and what plan you have, which clinics and things that you can go to. Yeah. yeah. So this was, this is one of the top clinics in Illinois. We had a great experience with them aside from us just being overwhelmed and yeah. <laughs> Um, but, and so our thoughts were, okay, so we can start over somewhere else where we're covered and, and be terrified and have to do all these tests and things all over again, or we could pay out of pocket, which if we were already freaking out about the cost of the medications and the storage, I don't know how we're going to do that. So we were just kind of paused. And when I told her, she was like, 
come see me, Virginia, because this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, she was like, this is ridiculous. You've done all of this. Um, this makes no sense for you to just not be able to just get there. So just come see me and I'll take your insurance. We'll work it out. We'll see what we can do. Call my office tomorrow. She gave me her personal cell phone number, which she does for all of her patients, by the way. Um, Cause she was like, if, if there's something that I say that's too fast, you don't understand, mm-hmm. you have questions, call me. Mm-hmm. So I came home and I told my husband and I was like, you know, I, I feel weird about it, but I feel like we should just go. And he was like, well, yeah. So we made an appointment, drove that 45 minutes <laughs> to her office. And it was like a completely different experience. She was looking at the exact same information that the other clinic had seen, but her demeanor was just like, oh, this is nothing. We can handle this. You got this. We'll do this. Come on. We can. This is nothing. Let's do this test today so we can get that out of the way. Let's do your baselines right now. So she was just like, let's go. And it went from that moment. Um, and Ooh, it was like, it was scary almost. Like, my, you know, my mom tells me all the time, you know, stay ready because then you ain't got to get ready. Get ready, girl. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. yeah. Stay ready because you ain't got to get ready. And she, she tells me all the time, keep your stuff in order because when the Lord says move, things will move faster than you expect it. And so I was not prepared for, <laughs> I mean, we were sitting in her office going over the charts and things. And she was like, okay, okay cool. Let's go across the hall and we're going to do this ultrasound real quick. And we're going to do this real quick. Mm. And even then, when she did the ultrasound right then and there that day, she was like, okay, that looks like another polyp because that had been something that I had had surgery for before because okay. of the, the the bleeding and everything. They had found polyps before. And she was like, that looks like another polyp or possibly a fibroid. We're just going to schedule that surgery right now because mm-hmm. we want to make sure this is the healthiest place for an embryo. And for her to just be so quick and positive and make me feel like she was in it with us and that she wanted us to succeed, it just was a different experience. Um, and we just kept moving and we did IVF. We, well, we did that surgery, recovered from that. We did IVF. We waited a little while and did a, a, a frozen embryo transfer and mm-hmm. it um, was successful. Look and at that. I Look was at that. just shocked. <laughs> I was just shocked. Like, I can't believe after 10 all years of years. us, yeah. all of this, you know, of us fighting with this and feeling like, you know, you know, the Lord, do you hear me, Lord? Because I'm, I'm mm-hmm. talking to you as plain as I can um, and going to work and acting like everything's okay, or crying in the bathroom, or in your car, or all of those things, and now all of a sudden, you're, you're here. It just was, it was a whirlwind experience that I just, I'm, I'm so grateful to her, but I'm also grateful for whatever ancestor or spirit told me to start the Broken Brown Egg, because had I never done that, I would not have had the information that I had, I would not have had the network that connected me to that doctor. And I just feel like that helped me through some of the most darkest times where I was literally about to say, I quit, I quit, Mm -hmm. I give up. Mm -hmm. And I've just been praying that that is what the broker brown egg is also doing for Mm -hmm. other people. Because yeah. that it, it it's it really did save my life in, in a lot of ways. It still does. <laughs> yeah, still come does. on, talk about it. Yeah, Be, you know, um, people assume, yeah, people assume you know you have me and you you done right. It's like, well, no, my tool's still blocked, bro. <laughs> still got this PCOS. And that's not how this goes. You know. Yeah. Still got all of these issues right. that I had before. That's not how this works. And um. <laughs> So yeah, I got my baby. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. But you know, I still have these other things to deal with. And that's, um, that's a whole other topic to deal with the condition after you get the baby and dealing with that. But I was, and you said it already, but I was getting ready to say something about, have you found, how has the broken brown egg helped you to heal, but also as a survivor of infertility and still surviving and still dealing with PCOS. It honestly, it has given me voice when I felt like, you know, uh, I'm, I don't have a voice. 
Um, because you get to a point where even if you're talking to friends, you start to feel like they don't want to hear about this no more. Mm-hmm. They sick of me. I'm sick of me. He's sick of me. We sick of me. <laughs> you know, yes. you just get overwhelmed and you feel like nobody yeah. want to hear about that no more, girl. Or I started to feel like because things weren't working, because that's the other thing. Once you're open about your infertility, then people are looking too. Yeah. So yeah. I started to feel like when people weren't seeing success, they were probably now thinking, she ain't really doing none. She ain't really, she ain't doing none over there. You know, girl. And I started to really feel like I was on this timetable that was not just biological, but social. Like mm. everybody is, is looking at us and they feel like I'm the problem and I'm, I'm, being dramatic or I'm I'm not telling the truth or you just start to feel like you don't know yourself like am I telling the truth did I have that experience did that really happen yeah yeah you know like and and I would be able to recount and even to this day it saves my life because when I'm about to be because it's easy to slip back into being just a, I go to the doctor when I really have to go person. Mm-hmm. It's easy to go back into not wanting to be as informed because that's safe and it feels safe and you don't feel like you have to be so nervous and scared. And, but I have this site and that is a living testimony to every experience I've had medically. And I can go back and watch or read something and remind myself, oh, no, 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 you call that doctor back. Mm-hmm. Because as you could see then, had you done that then, this would have worked out differently. Yeah. Or had you said something then, you could have helped somebody else. And I've, I've really tried to use that in everything. Even with my son now, he's four years old, but he has glasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when I see something, I say something. Mm-hmm. And if a doctor doesn't listen, I'm quick to change a doctor. I'm quick to change a medical group. I'm quick because I know now the cost, the time cost when medical professionals don't listen to you and when you yeah. don't advocate for yourself. And so that has been a, a huge saving grace for me, but also it's made my family more open and vocal about medical concerns and medical issues and that's yeah. part of the bigger mission of the broken brown egg. It is about infertility, but infertility is bigger than babies. It is about yeah. our about mental health, yeah. our emotional health, our connection with the medical industry, our exploitation in, in the history of medicine. It's about all of these things, our willingness to just be silent about things in our families or in our um, in our friendship groups, you know? having a conversation about there are people who are more comfortable sitting with their girlfriends and talking about sex than they are willing to tell their girlfriends. I had a miscarriage. Yeah. I had fibroids. I had, and it should never be the case. Yeah. These are all reproductive health issues. Yeah. We should be talking about our health because that is how you save each other's lives. Because when you get to the end and you get to the hospital and you like, okay, well, wait a minute. Why didn't anybody tell me? Well, partially because none of y'all was telling each other. Yeah. So I'm very vocal about PCOS. I'm very vocal about infertility. And I try to take the shame off of it because I did not cause this health issue. It is the World Health Organization. I didn't cause this. Yeah. And so I shouldn't have to be ashamed of it. And Mm -hmm. it's something that people have been dealing with since the beginning of time. Want us we all feel that level of empowerment about it. And I know everybody is not going to, but I, I try to at least make it so that they know if they're not going to say it, I'm going to say it. They right. need to inbox me. Right. I'll say it. <laughs> right. Right. Quiet yeah. is not going to say it. You know, it reminds me of that friend, that, that one friend we all have who just says it like it is. And I feel like you do that for the community. And I think I feel like you do that for Brown and Black women and all women, because you are inclusive on your website and on any of your handles and in your group, not just um, a space for Black and Brown women, but inclusive of all with just the emphasis on the Black and Brown experience. So I think um, I think that's incredible. And I, I really enjoy it for the last year connecting with you and, and watching your work and, and seeing how impactful your, uh, your website and all the advocacy that you do um, and, and people just being healed by getting close to you. So 
I'm sure that everybody will be able to find something that they need on your website. And if not, they can just slide in your DMs. Girl. <laughs> Thank you. I be, I follow you too, you know, and I'll be cracking up. I'll be like, girl, what is Monique doing today? <laughs> you know, it's just so much, it's so much uh sadness, like you were saying earlier. And um I get I I say some serious things, you know, and lately I've been doing the funny things like you were just talking about, but you know, I think we just all need to laugh sometimes and just just let it go. And you wear it like a coat. It goes with you everywhere. It goes with you everywhere. to church. And that's the thing people don't think about. They think, well, it's just the baby. No, no, no. no. It is. Mm-hmm. I was enjoying my church until every single week they had a baptism. It is. I was enjoying, you know, spending time with my friends, but they're always talking about their kids. It is. I was enjoying my workplace, but they keep having these baby showers in the in the staff lounge. Like these things are happening to women and men all over the world, where they have to silently pull themselves out of what was healthy and wholesome for them because that's the only way they feel like they can protect themselves from being hurt emotionally all the time. Yeah. And it's like that sadness starts to wear you out. Like people don't realize I was yeah. just talking about um because th- this is suicide prevention month right. and I was just talking about how people don't think, you know, that that affects people who deal with infertility, but there are studies that show that people who, women who deal with infertility have the same levels of anxiety and depression as people with cancer, HIV, yeah. and heart disease. Yeah. So 9% of people dealing with infertility have had a suicidal ideation because yeah. it's overwhelming and you start to feel like, well, it don't even matter if I'm here or if I'm not here. It yeah. doesn't even matter. Or my partner deserves more. So if I wasn't here, they can get remarried and have somebody who can have babies. Like those kind of things really do cross people's minds. Mm-hmm. And so having somebody to keep you smiling, to keep you encouraged, to keep you feeling like, you know what, I'm not alone. This sucks, but, uh, you know, but I'll push through it or this sucks and I'm allowed to say it sucks today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That you need somebody who's like, girl, this is for the birds all the way. Okay. You could be tough tomorrow. Today, let's get some wine. Like, Yeah. <laughs> you need Come on. Person. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? It's so funny because I think COVID has forced people to really sit in, in their feelings and deal with it. And yeah. it's kind of been like a blessing and a curse because there's so many virtual things going on within the fertility space now to support people. So it's kind of been like a blessing and, and it's helped people to slow the heck down yeah. during their journey because you can just get caught up and caught up and it's just layers after layers after layers. And I think the break that a lot of people were going through in the beginning of COVID and, and, and the clinics not doing any cycles for a while mm-hmm. until they knew more about COVID and what they could do to protect themselves and their patients. That was like really needed for a lot of people. It really was. It really was. You, 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 you end up on this roller coaster yeah. of emotions and there's no break. Nope. Because it's such a private journey that a lot of people aren't going to tell their job, you know, I can't come in today. I need a mental health day. You know, I, I can't do this event for my family because I need this. And it, it just gets so heavy. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you know, a year didn't pass, two years have passed, three years have passed. And it was a blur because you were going to work, going to the clinic, going to work, going to the clinic, going to work, mm-hmm. getting the test results, taking a break, going to work. It's just, you're on this this hamster wheel of emotions. And sometimes you feel like if I stop, if I give myself a break, I'm going to lose more time. Mm -hmm. Something's not going to work or I'm going to look up and, you know, I'm getting older. And I used to really think like that. I used to think like, okay, so if I'm not pregnant by March, this year is shot because only 12 months in a year. So, you know, I used to really think like that. Yeah. If I'm pregnant by March, then this year is a dud and mm-hmm. I won't have a baby this year because these first three months of the year didn't work the way I needed them to work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I would be devastated in March about December. In already March. claiming what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Already mad. Already yeah. hurt. Already sick of people. 
it's just it's so it's so much and i I think that's the other thing that people don't just don't realize it is so much it's so much and it's ever it's it feels like it's never ending yeah it feels like you're always in so even after because i'm still girl (laughs) yeah for sure and i'll you know i'll be 37 in a month and i'm thinking and i was just doing exactly what you just said not to do which was you know, going into the future and already deciding what that's going to be like. Because I'm like, man, if I don't have a second baby by this time next year, I'm, I'm done. You know, I'm just, I'm not going to. And even. don't let you, and don't let <sighs> you see somebody else. Don't let you see somebody else and already got to number two or number three. You'd be like, wait, for real? Oh my gosh. Really? Well, so or I have people who bless their hearts and all their parts. They like to tell me that Judah needs a sibling. And I'm like, well, Considering it took 10 years to get to him, where do you think that sibling is going to come from? You got something to put on the books? Like, what you want to do? Yeah. Because financially, that's not a simple... And that's, that that starts to piss you off, too, yeah. about infertility, is that you can't just make simple decisions. No, you know, it can never be. They can just make a simple decision. I think we'll have a baby next year. You know what? I think we're going to try. We can't do that. We can't just, I will never know what it feels like to just accidentally be pregnant. I will never know what it feels like to have just symptoms and go, let's just go get a test. I will never know what that's like. And that, that morning that you have of feeling normal, that's heavy. It's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous um, about what things that people will say after you've had. They don't even think about it. They be like, he needs a sibling. And I just be like, y'all forgot already? Y'all, y'all don't remember what we did? Yeah. <laughs> you, do you want to put some, some, you know, do you need my cash out? What you want to do? You going to pay the like, mortgage for a couple months or something, you know? Like, what do you want to do? Do you hear me? <laughs> and we can, we can do it then. We can do it. Okay. Yeah. Because that, and that's the other thing too, for those of us, you know, and it, it can be, it can be women of any color, but yeah. primarily one of the things that I hear a lot from black women is it's a financially we we ain't got it like that in some cases so once you do IVF if you're blessed to have embryos left over now you got to come up with the money to pay for the storage every month now on top of that you actually have the baby so you need to pay for for them then you know if they get in preschool or whatever you're paying for that yeah so now all of your decisions are now financial decisions which we get paid less mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> already and people try to tell you that this stuff is this don't have nothing to do with systemic racism this don't have nothing to do with um classism this yes it does because everything everything to do with it connected. it's connected yeah and there's no reason that i with a master's degree should have difficulty finding employment that someone who is another color who has an associate's degree is getting paid more than me to do. Like that's re- that, that is definition systemic. <laughs> and so I want people to think about that. Like, you know, yes, this affects us all. Anybody who's dealing, I would not wish infertility on anyone except no. maybe some idiots who don't need to no. procreate. <laughs> <laughs> I would not wish the pain of this on any on my worst enemy I wouldn't Mm -hmm. and that feeling that you don't have control over your own life Mm. is devastating and it impacts so many other areas of your life and so when you look at it from the from this idea that as a black woman you have all of these other things on you or as a black man you have all of these other things on you it makes it so much heavier yeah like it's lonely as hell when you're black and brown going through fertility oh my gosh and it's so connected because even if i you know if you go to the support groups that you see online like when i first started the broken brown egg mm-hmm. i had people with a child who asked do i have support groups and i told okay. them no because i said well when i used to try to set up meetups nobody wanted to come nobody yeah. no black person wanted to be seen even if you go to the fertility center and you see another black person in the waiting room girl they will pull that magazine over their face so fast yeah. they'd be like i don't see you you don't see me. This didn't yeah. happen. We wasn't here. Yeah. And so I have any support groups in person because nobody wanted to be seen 
doing that. Even my online support group, mm-hmm. I, when I first set it up, I had to set it so that it was, you couldn't even search for it because mm-hmm. people didn't even want their name. Or I had people who were following the Broken Brown Egg but didn't mm-hmm. click like on Facebook mm-hmm. because they didn't even want that associated with their profile. Yeah, yeah. And so like, I'm, I love you know, what Reverend Stacey is doing with fertility for color girls, because that was such a needed thing that mm-hmm. 10 years ago, I couldn't even do. Nobody wanted to, nobody wanted to connect it. Yeah. And we have all of these things on us. And it's so lonely when you go to a support group and you're the only black person there, you can't, you, you still don't feel like you're connecting, you know, a support group is supposed to be where you connect, yeah. but if you go there and you don't see nobody like you, you still feel alone. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, you know, you've got all of these things connecting on you. So you've got the infertility dealing mm-hmm. with, and you're, you're dealing with whether there's medical disparities because you being a black person. So if you got fibroids, you're looking at it like, dang. So as a black woman, I have more of a prevalence of this. Then you have the baby and you're dealing with postpartum, but because we don't talk about mental health in the black community as much as we should, we're getting better. But because we hadn't been speaking about that as much as we should, you feel like, well, now something wrong with me now. And historically, it's not even safe for you as a Black person to say you're having some issues with postpartum because then they'll come and take your kids. So that's what the, the stereotypes that we, or the, the urban legends that we tell each other, girl, don't tell these people because you know that they'll send child and family services, they'll come take your kids from you. Like all of those things are affecting us. Then you have the continual disregard of black bodies and so now you you got the kid now you're nervous about the kid <laughs> you know like yeah. you, don't, you don't want them to go outside you scared something's gonna happen to them you're making decisions about do I have another baby when clearly this country is not you know all of those things are just definition of PTSD okay definition yes. definition yes. Of PTSD. definition of it and and they want you to come to work and talk to people. <laughs> yeah, then you still got to go talk to some people. Girl, be it's, a, it's a lot. Be friendly. Because you can't yeah. be the mean black person at work. You can't be the sassy black friend. You can't nope. be the angry black woman. You can't be the mean black man. You got to just keep suppressing all of these feelings and things that you're dealing with all day, day long. The entire life, your entire existence. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Which is why it's so important for spaces like yours in your community on Facebook and then having all of that information that you have on your website is so it's so needed. And I think now, because people are starting to kind of awaken a little bit more to the issues and the lack of Black voices in spaces, whether it's creative, whether it's advocacy like today, you know, in, in the space that we, that we are in fertility, it's going to be um, it's going to be more imperative now more than ever that there's a representation of it. so when somebody go to their website they're like okay I see Regina's face you know she's a black woman she's a brown woman you know and they feel comfortable automatically that helps bring down some of those barriers and um, it's just representation freaking matters y'all it matters it matters it- matters and I don't know why this seems like something that's common sense to us that is apparently not common sense to anybody to else is. yeah like if I tell you that represent first of all if I tell you something that is a part of my experience believe me because I'm the expert on me so if black people are telling you we need to feel represented we need to see your staff as inclusive we need to know that you have uh, cultural competency training. We need to know that you have experience dealing with other ethnicities when it comes to fertility or, or reproductive health. We mean it. And we're not just saying it because we want to, everything is about race. No, everything is about race. The whole <laughs> nation not, is built upon it. So listen, and it, it is not <laughs> like saying these things to be inflammatory and divisive. Right, we're saying right. these things because we have a hyster- historical context that shows that if we don't ensure that, we can't guarantee our safety. If I'm not on the pamphlet, if I'm not, you know, if if I don't see no black or brown babies up on this this big wall of baby pictures you got in your clinic. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that you've had any success with black families. 
this is important. It's not just us being, you know, the squeaky wheel. I yeah. need to make sure that I'm going to be protected and served well here. And I think people just feel like we're being, I don't know. I don't know what they be thinking. Yeah, you know, you really can't speak on it. No, you really can't. We can only speculate, but you know. Yeah. Um, we don't know, but I, I, but I, I do wonder a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both can, for sure. People have asked me, you know, in the years that I've had the Broken Brown Egg, why, they've asked me multiple things. They've <laughs> asked me why broken? Why is why that to be a broken brownie? It's like, yeah. well, number one, you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. So some you you have to break something. But also, this is how we feel. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know that we're not broken, but I wanted to get to the heart of this is how it feels. Mm-hmm. I feel like my body doesn't work right. It's broken. Yeah. And so I wanted something that spoke to that right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I get asked all the time is, um, why is, why has it got to be about black women? Infertility mm-hmm. is, is, is difficult for all of us. And why, why do you have to make it, you know, why do you have to do that? And I think that it some, sometimes it's from a, an innocent place and sometimes mm-hmm. it's from that little annoyance. I hear yeah. that in some people's voice when they ask. Um, but I think it's important for them to recognize that that's how we feel in every other aspect of life. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, that feeling, you know, I think people don't expect that in the fertility space, number one. And like you said, you know, they don't share the same experiences that we do. And so I think it's a little shocking at first for, yeah. for, for, nine, for non-Black and Brown people to see a space with an emphasis on black and, you know, the black experience. I think it's kind of shocking at first, but they're like, this is kind of new, you know, but that's something that we, you know, we as black and brown people deal with our entire lives, you know? Yeah. And, and, and they, they, in many cases, the questions are like, well, why, what, what is the difference? And usually once it's explained, it's very clear, but there are so many layers that have not been addressed in so many years that I think that, you know, it, it is. When people first see it, they're like, well, why? Well, okay, here's somebody else making it about race. And it's like, no, I just need to make sure that we're represented because I didn't see that when I really needed it most. And mm-hmm. I want someone else, when they search Black women and fertility, I want something to come up. Yeah. Because when I yeah. search it, nothing came up. And yeah. so I would think, well, okay, so it's something wrong with me because I'm looking it up and I don't see anything. I'm looking it up and I don't see anybody that looks like me. I just see a whole lot of blogs of white women, a whole lot of websites of white women and a whole lot of organizations that support the infertility community that are either run by, founded by, created by, full board of white yeah. people. Yeah. So, yeah all the way down to the physicians, you know, yeah. if organizations have a physician's council or things like that, who are the doctors? Yeah. Who, who, who is, who is advising you? Because mm-hmm. if you don't have anybody that's advising you about what I need as a black woman, I don't know that you're going to fully take my concerns with you when you go out to so-and-so represent me. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's not me asking for something that should be, you know, looked at as crazy. Race impacts my experience of the medical community. It impacts my experience of infertility. It impacts my experience socioeconomically. It we don't get every to turn facet it off. of life. Yeah, yeah. every I facet. Don't yeah, I don't get to turn it off. I have to think about it all the time. Every meeting I'm in, every job I'm at, every I have to think about it all the time. Yeah, even when we were talking on on one of your posts um, about two weeks ago, a week ago maybe, and. You had made a post. It's really profound. I wish I could remember. I should have pulled it up. But I remember I put in the comments, like even going so far as to checking someone's following and who they follow on Instagram in the fertility space to see if they even follow any black and brown people. And that just, and you responded back with, it's just the need to feel safe. Am I safe here? Am I safe? Am I safe yeah. in this environment? Am I is my are my thoughts safe? Are my and my heart's desires safe here? Am I physically safe here? 
Yeah. You know, I posted today about Henrietta Lacks and, right. and I have to catch myself sometimes because since I've had the broken brown egg for so long, I sometimes I'm like, well, I don't need to say this again. People already know this, but then I have to tell myself, no, they don't, Regina, tell them again. You know, I've been talking about this a long time, but I repeat these things because there are still people who will be like, oh my God, I did not know. Like a few months ago when I posted about J. Marion Sims and his yeah. experimentation on Black and right. there were nope. so many people who was like, I did not know this. I, I had no idea. I, the I, amount of times I saw that post in my story, in like other people's stories and stuff, I was like, people really did not know. They didn't know. They really and did. that makes me repeat things because I'm like, no, I need y'all to understand. When you're looking at us thinking, well, why don't y'all just go to the doctor? <laughs> Why didn't you just tell the doctor? Well, why didn't you just say the I need foundation? Yeah, the foundation contents of where this comes from. I need you to understand that people were experimented on. <laughs> American people <laughs> were experimented on. Women of color were sterilized without their consent. Yeah. They were forced. They were given forced infertility, especially our Latino, uh, our Latina mm -hmm. sisters. That's something, and indigenous sisters, these are things that have been happening for decades. So when you're telling us, well, just go to the doctor, just tell them what you want. Just, mm -mm. just, mm -mm. just, it's like nothing is just. Never. Nothing is just. Never. That's how people say just adopt. There's yeah. no just adopt. Yeah. There's no just. Yeah. There is none. Yes, Adopted babies are not consolation prizes. No. Adoption is not free. Mm -mm. You don't just go to the orphanage and pick up a baby. That's not. You know, people really think that it's no different than you know. It's like people don't see infertility as a medical condition. You know, they don't get it. They don't get it. And um, you, you know, a lot of that is the fault of the edu the education system. I'm just gonna freaking say it because I was talking to someone recently on another episode and I was telling her, I was like, you know, when I was in college and granted I went to junior college, but when I was there and I had public health class, infertility didn't, didn't come up. Never comes up. Don't have Never sex. shows up. Don't get pregnant. And, 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 and for our generation, that was really the thing, you know, pushing yeah. condoms, pushing birth control, pushing death propovera, you know, all those things for yep. us to not get pregnant. You know what I mean? And the, the Planned Parenthood, you know, and all those things like that. But nobody talked about what happens when it does, you know, when you have a medical condition that prohibits you from even becoming. Or just, or just how to take care of your body. Yeah. When you think about it, the way that it is taught in this really scandalized, don't have sex, don't get pregnant mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. In some cases, and I believe this to be true in, in some cases. There is a protection there. There's, I just yeah. don't want you to not be able to achieve, especially with black people, because we don't want to become the stereotype. If you become the stereotype, you're not going to be able to achieve what will get us out of here. I need you to move forward. And so if you get pregnant, you're going to get sidelined or derailed. Mm -hmm. You're not going to be able to go to college. You're not going to be able to get that job. You're not yeah. going to be able to, to change your social status. So I fully believe that in some cases, that's where it comes from. But in other cases, when you look at it from, if you want to look at it as a systemic issue, it is the policing of our bodies. It mm -hmm. is telling you mm -hmm. what you are allowed and not allowed to do by not giving you the full information for you to make your own decisions. Mm -hmm. If you give me all the information and you tell me this is what your body does, this is the most expensive piece of machinery you will ever own and you only get one and there's no replacement. Mm -hmm. Here's all the pieces. Here's how it works. Here's what you do to protect it. Here's what you do to preserve it. If you give me all of that and you teach me how to be an empowered patient, you teach me how to speak up for myself. If you give me all of that, I can make smart decisions. Yeah. But when you don't think I'm capable of making smart decisions, you leave out all of the decision-making information and you just tell me what to do and what not to do. And that's what we've been doing is don't have sex, don't get pregnant. Here's some pictures of STDs because we want you to make those decisions that we're telling you to make. I don't care about what you want to do in the future. That's yeah. not important. But we should be teaching our young people, this is how your body works. Mm -hmm. There's no 
I was looking, I've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now, but I found just in going through the blog, I found a Mm -hmm. video that I had done in 2010 Mm -hmm. of um, a horrible couple of experiences going to the ER here in Chicago, both for myself and taking a friend, Mm -hmm. because I believe in having a waiting room, buddy, because they hold you accountable. Yeah. Yeah. But I remembered we had gone for this. She was getting a sonogram to find out if she had fibroids and we were in the waiting room with these other women mm-hmm. and they were 28 and 41 years old and they didn't know what fibroids were. One of them was pregnant. She had a cyst on her ovaries. She didn't even know what that was. She was like, they're just doing this ultrasound, but I'm just here to find out the gender of the baby. She mm. didn't want or need or think she needed any information about the cyst. Meanwhile, I had a friend who had just experienced a ruptured cyst during pregnancy. And so I was like, wait, nobody told you. Okay, I don't want to freak you out, but maybe ask them about this. You know, like women in their 40s should not be just now hearing about fibroids or endometriosis or PCOS or abnormal uterine bleeding. Like these things don't have to be so, you know, taboo. Yeah, like what? This is your body. This this is your body. You should know what it means for it to be running properly and what it should mean for it to be running improperly. And we do a disservice to each other when we don't make that a priority. Like you should know this. 41 years old, she had never heard of fibroids before. She was terrified. She was on the phone with her friend in tears. We were in the waiting room. She was on the phone with her friend in tears telling her friend, they checking me for this. They said tumors and fibroids. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. She was terrified. And us in the waiting room were her only sources of information. Wow. Because there were no pamphlets. The only information they had around the hospital was about breast cancer. There was nothing on the, uh, in the, there was a whole different pamphlets on the wall. And I, I found that I had taken pictures. That's another benefit mm-hmm. of having a business. I have historical records. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. There, was a, there was a thing on the wall where pamphlets should go. It was empty and broken. There was no clock. There was no music. There was no TV. There was uh, another file holder that was supposed to have like information. You know, when you go to mm-hmm. a, a nice doctor's office and they have yeah, those little yeah. you can take. Yep. It was half of it was empty. The rest of the papers were crumpled. Wow. And there was also a girl they wheeled down on a stretcher, left her in the room 15, 20 minutes. Nobody telling her what's going on to the point that she pulled the sheet over her face because mm-hmm. she was just so embarrassed. Like mm-hmm. nobody's telling me and I'm in this robe and I don't know what they're checking for. Yeah. Those yeah. are experiences that our black and brown women are having daily. Yeah. Daily. And nobody should be treated like that. No, nobody should be treated like that. It it breaks my heart to think back on it because if I had been half the advocate then as I am now, mm-hmm. girl, the hospital would have <laughs> yeah, they would have been sick of me because I'd have been there every day. Like, okay, so what we finna do? Because we're yeah. not gonna do this. But at the time, it was so normal to all of us. This this way of being treated. This way of them making women's reproductive health such a low thing. Like mm-hmm. the fact that nobody acted like these were big deals. Like fibroids, mm-hmm. they, I have, my mother was told, oh, it's just a fibroid. You don't have to worry about it. Women are still being told that. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. It, it breaks your heart. It, it really does. does. It really does. It really does. And then, but you know what though? That's why the world needs more people like you and I <laughs> having the conversation, staying in people's faces and being the voice for, they're not voiceless, but those who do not want to be in the public space of yeah. advocacy. And um, so you guys heard it here first. You got, you got to get educated and Regina and her website can do can do just that and more for you as well as others in the fertility space that are advocating for you and I hope that you guys are advocating for yourselves that's another thing I heard while Regina was talking to is being an advocate for your darn self mm-hmm. when you when you get that intuition that inkling that something is off and it don't have to be big it, it can be can you just slow down, down and hear yep. what you said 
or you know the doctor coming in and say what they're saying real quick and then they leave and the nurse comes mm -hmm. in and do something else so you could say excuse me can you have my doctor come back because i had right. a follow-up question mm -hmm. you can do that yeah we don't think we can do that i can call back that they're on i'm not wasting their time this is my time and my dime <laughs> when you're in this room you belong to me and when yeah. I leave this room, I'm going to call you and I'm going to still say you belong to me. You work for and with me. Yeah. This is my body. <laughs> yeah. You the mechanic, but I'm the owner. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you guys better do that. You heard what Regina said here on Infertility and Me podcast. You heard it here first. Okay. So Regina, girl, give us your social media handles and all the ways that we can connect with you outside of the podcast today. And outside of your website, well, we, I want you to give your website to you, though. <laughs> well, I am thebrokenbrownegg.org. I am also the Broken Brown Egg on Facebook. And on Instagram, it's just Broken Brown Egg. Um, and you can always email me at regina at thebrokenbrownegg.org. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of Infertility and Me podcast. Peace and blessings.